Hello, welcome back to Marathon Swim Stories. I'm Shannon Keegan. Today, Jessie Harowitz shared her marathon swim story with us from her home beach in Vancouver, British Columbia. Last August, Jessie pioneered a route from Nanaimo Harbor to Kitsilano Beach, swimming her way into the 24-hour club as the 11th Canadian. The 30-hour and 13-minute swim across the Strait of Georgia nominated her for the 2019 Marathon Swimmers Federation Solo Swim of the Year. This just a few short years after accepting that she couldn't be a triathlete due to injury and shedding her wetsuit to conform to marathon swim rules. Jessie has had quite a journey. I hope you enjoy this episode. Go for it, Jesse. Tell us your story. Uh, okay. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just so excited that Caroline, I think Caroline's here. I'm excited about yes. that. Sorry. Yay. Um, <laughs> I haven't, sorry, I haven't seen some of you guys in so long. Um, anyways, okay. So I'm Jesse. I am from Vancouver, where I am right now in Canada. I grew up here. Um, I don't I had a pretty interesting childhood. We did a lot of traveling and stuff and uh yeah like I love I love being from Canada and I love my country but it's you know I was always trying to find something more interesting in my life including going off to college and exploring Europe um and uh you know attempting an art degree in fashion design and you know falling miserably on my face which was fine and doing all these amazing interesting things because I remember when I was 16 years old thinking I was going to become a lifeguard and looking out in the water and knowing I wanted something more but not understanding that it wasn't like in the that I was going to eventually come back to the water for it um so I remember just wanting to get out of here but I got out of here and I did some interesting things and had some great um, adventures and then uh I ended up in Australia about eight years ago and I was going through a breakup and I was like I want to get into triathlon and you know all these different things and I ended up getting into marathon swimming somehow um and yeah uh it's been an interesting journey in the last six years <laughs> yeah what was um how did you get into marathon swimming what was your first yeah. marathon so well I actually I mean I was one of those people that got into wanted to get into triathlon because it was more it was more what we knew about and then um, I started getting some IT band issues and I was getting like a lot of like people kept saying I was overtraining and I was like, well, at least I can swim. And then I saw this, there was a race, actually this, the bay behind me, there's a race across it every year. And we, um, I was like, oh, well, I need to then go, like if I can't go to a triathlon camp because I have this like injury that I don't really know exactly what's going on, I might as well go to a swim camp. And I ended up uh, basically directly uh, found swim trek. And the, yeah, and they, they that from there it just went downhill. I mean, downhill. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I showed up in Mallorca with my wetsuit, thinking like back then it was a, year, a couple of years ago when they were still doing all the anything from a 10k to a marathon swim was all in the same thing. And then I just uh, showed up and there's Kevin Murphy and Fiona Southwell and Mike Ball, and I'm like looking. These people are telling me these insane stories, and I'm like yeah you're really selling the sport like not <laughs> like, and, like I got thrown into it and then they're like oh you should try a six hour swim and I'm like what are you kidding me like I don't even know what that even means anyways I attempted the six hour at that training camp and I failed miserably and it was it was such a mess but it didn't really matter because I wasn't my goal in the first place <laughs> 
but it was the fact that I had I felt a connection to the water on those on that trip and it was miserable but I just thought okay if this hip thing is not going to go away this might be something I need to think about and then I, like two weeks later I got a hip diagnosis of a hip impingement and basically they're like yeah you're not going to be able to run or bike again and then I was like dug my son then I dug my I was literally walking down the street at um, the university and was like damn it I guess that means I have to swim the English channel this really is not <laughs> this is not what I signed up for in my life like I have made some mistakes and I've paid tens but I guess I gotta like okay fine we're doing this and I just I just put my nose to the floor and I did like all these races that year with a wetsuit and then I tried to started swimming without one and Within within eight months of that, I was I was without a wetsuit and I didn't look back and and then we then we swam uh, yeah a bunch of we did some practice a lot of testing out here in BC we just kept doing test swims we did lots of training like long different things jellyfish no jellyfish cold it took me a long time it took me a long time to to figure out that I was going to stick to it because I didn't really have any other choices though and that's what I don't I don't like promoting that because I think marathon swimming should be it's my it's my love but it's really trying to like tackle it down now that it did take a long time. The first two years were tough. Like my, I was always sick. I was always cold. I was always this, I was always that. And I made a lot of mistakes, but the next year we went back. I remember we went back to, um, to swim track. And I brought my dad this time though, because unfortunately I met somebody, <laughs> fortunately I met this amazing swimmer who is so, who she doesn't, I don't know. She does mostly just English channel and then um, Rebecca Lewis and she kayaks with her dad. And uh, she was about my age and she had a family relationship and I was single and hanging out with my family and my dad and my parents and me have always been really adventurous together. And then when she, that idea just sparked it, like that was really the pivotal moment when I was still in a wetsuit because literally six weeks after that first trip to Mallorca, me and my dad were swimming, doing an adventure swim and it turned into like one day turned into 11 hours. And I was like, and it, it just like all the things they taught us about mental and having the support crew and, and all that stuff like I just thought if I could if I'm not the best swimmer but I can get all the elements around it then I can make it work and still have that excitement in my life mm -hmm. so that was pretty much how it all started and then this developed this relationship with me and my dad because you know one of your questions later on might be about accessibility and how do you make it like we had to make it affordable I didn't you know I have a I have I've used different coaches over the years I have different things but I had to make the swimming part affordable and I did not want to swim back and forth in a bay for six hours yeah. So making that whole experience and setting it up like that really helped us to continue. And then did my first Georgia Strait swim, I think. Well, yeah, like I went to that swim, the second swim trek camp. And then I saw, that was a year, yeah, a year of no wetsuit swimming. And then I was doing Georgia Straits a couple months later. And then I was so buzzed afterwards. I was like only 11 and a half hours. And today that's probably my shorter swims. And I'm like, this is way like, okay, yeah, bring it on English Channel. Like if it's... <laughs> Like, this is like, I can do this, but it's like, you know, I wanted more. Yeah. So that was kind of how I started into it. I'm curious, um, did you grow up swimming? Or did you um, yeah, that was the screwed up part. I, I, I did. I don't remember. My mother was like, my mom's aquatic. Like she, yeah, I don't remember learning how to swim. Like it was, yeah. she said it was one week and I'm like, mom, she's like, well, you know, the lifeguards turned away. We dunked you under. I, I said, this, there's <laughs> It's actually in one of my videos. This, so, this, sorry, it's actually a story I told before. And my mom's like, I, I just, you know, I knew you were in water for like nine months already. So I just thought I'd just try quickly. 
mother, I love you, but like seriously. <laughs> um, but anyways, that was back in the 80s when they just, they read books about it and, you know, how to deal with babies in the water. And, and, and yeah, so I did that. But I, it was more the fact that I think a lifeguard, um, which I've met years later, said that she said she did remember me when I was with my family. But the point was that we played a lot in the water. Mm, we played. Yeah. There was play. It was not about only technique. Didn't you hear that? I, I got it. I got it. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so it was, all, it was all about play and stuff. So that inspired it. But I did, basically, I did synchronized swimming. I never, I was never a club team member. I, and, I, and I wasn't very good at synchro. I, like, I just remember going, if I don't keep my holding my breath, I'm getting, someone's going to get angry at me for popping up early. <laughs> and I just remember, like, screaming for your life. <laughs> screaming in my head, going, just don't freaking pop up you can handle <laughs> two more seconds without air not gonna kill you um but no but I mean it was it just wasn't ideal like I love I learned to love the water but I was never fast I was always like I placed last in in solo events and I just I was never good at it and I did extra training and it, it created unfortunately a negative some a negative mental from the water so I didn't swim I eventually I begged my parents to quit after six years and I didn't touch the water for like 15 years it was yeah. like I just I had enough of it. I wanted to be in Europe and do other things. That, so, that explains um, the why you're resistant. <laughs> that explains a lot your resistance to liking marathon swimming, though. <laughs> well, no, and that was different though because I got in the pool. I got in the pool first time I swam in 15 years was in Brisbane when I was going through a breakup and in Australia in a foreign country where I didn't necessarily intend to be. Um, even though I travel other countries by myself, but um, yeah, no, it was it was coming to terms with that and then moving on from it because as soon as I realized that like where I'm right now is really only 500 meters from my house, and like it's like when I realized the accessibility it now gives me and the freedom, um, I've always said it's like a jail cell out there because it can be so like you know it can be very trapped feel very entrapped, but it gives you so much freedom when you realize that that is like I can walk down the water at, in summertime and I don't even need a towel. Yeah. <laughs> like there's so much powerful freedom maybe it's also because I'm not training insane this summer because I decided to take a bit of time off from it but, yeah um yeah it was really interesting yeah can you tell us about um the feeling how you feel when you complete a marathon swim um oh god it's been that's a, that's an interesting one because I've had different emotions usually it's relief Usually it's like hardcore, like, oh God, at least I don't, now technically I don't have to do it again, <laughs> even though now I've been fully thinking about redoing roots. <laughs> but um, it's a sense of relief, but it's been really interesting because like English Channel, it was like, it went into slow motion because I had a really tough channel, well, at least I thought I had a tough channel swim at the end. It went into slow motion, everything, it was the first time in my life in a long time where everything just slowed down in my brain because it got so choppy and so rough at the end and I had such a sliver to get into shore um but and and it was like oh you've got to get back to the boat because the winds are picking up and you don't get back and like you touch that rock you get back to the boat that was what Andy King said to me he's like you touch and go we're getting out of here so that was a sense of relief but the thing is like I remember when I finished Catalina the next year which is almost exactly one two years today um, I, Dan Simonelli landed with me and I was so disappointed because I knew like I had a slow time and I wasn't like, it was so different. And I was like, what was my time? Like, that was the first, like, not happy. It was like, what's my time? It's like, oh, I could have done better. Like I could have trained harder. I could have done something, but, but he was awesome though. Cause he's such a wisdom 
he's he's a Catalina man, right? He's the wisdom, the the Jedi of Catalina, uh, um, and that really helped. Like that, and then he was also around during my Manhattan swims as well, which was kind of awesome as well. It was pretty like he sweat. He kayaked next to my dad, right? As soon as I dove in the water, and I had a little squeal of joy at the beginning of Manhattan. Um, but so there's a couple different. But like when I finished at Kitts Beach and the long swim that I have out here, that one, that one, I was just like especially with Salish Sea stuff, I just get pissed off, so angry and pissed off that I don't care anymore when I get to shore. Because <laughs> the currents are just so strong. They're just, oh, okay. they're just such a pain in the butt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, can you tell us about the swim you're most proud of? So yeah, the swim I'm definitely most proud of is, is my baby back here. So. <laughs> Nanaimo is way over there, and then I finished. You just can kind of see barely because it's foggy right now, but Vancouver's over there. Um, and uh, it's the swim, yeah. I got well, I don't know why MSF put the nomination out, but I just am like, okay, yeah, Sarah, please win. Uh, <laughs> um, so sorry, it was from Nanaimo, which is on Vancouver Island. Um, it basically is like the top board, you know, the border of this, this thing called, we say, called the Salish Sea, the Inland Sea between um, northern tip of Vancouver Island and all the way down in the Olympic Peninsula. Um, sorry, yeah, down in Washington. Um, so I swam all the way from Nanaimo um, around and I had a little bit of an island to get out of because there's a bunch of Gulf Islands that protect the, um, the, the, the main Vancouver Island. Get out of there and then we hightailed it straight across the bay, across the Georgia Strait and we basically swam all the way to Kitsilano Beach which is basically, I think it's one of the furthest inland beaches that I could physically swim to. I wanted to get from the island, the longest route that I could find possible from the island, into the inner inner port of Vancouver. You, the place where I landed was specifically, it was, well, it's also my home beach, like where I grew up, but um, it's, you can't really swim much further in, because otherwise you get, um, <laughs> you get, you get a sewage filled like area that's E. coli, or you go into Lionsgate Bridge, which is some of the strongest currents in the area, and it's illegal to swim there. So, oh, wow. so basically, the route the route was to try and get the longest, the longest. I don't think it's the actual longest, but one of the longest point to point crossings across the Georgia Strait. Um, and I called it the long swim home, and it was a long. I knew, even though it's a straight line, I knew like it's very tidal. And we do get winds that pick up without notice. Um, I, we, we did quite a lot of planning. I didn't do, I, I always leave it in the hands of people who know more than me. Um, but it was, a, it was a tricky swim and it took 30 hours. And it was only, I think the final charted course is only 59 kilometers, but I got stuck twice. I kind of call it a day, like a double negative because I had to fight in the beginning, the winds picked up without notice, well, barely without notice, like 10 knots, and then went up to like 15 knots, and I swear to God, it felt like more than that. It was probably closer to 13 knots, but it felt like 20 knots, <laughs> and on an outgoing tide, and the wind coming in the opposite direction, and like having to sprint for the first five hours of a swim, which you don't know if it's going to take 18 hours or 30 hours because of the mm -hmm. tides, Yeah. And, I, and I'm not fat, like, I'm, yeah, I'm not kidding myself, I'm not very fast either, but it was it was getting out of out of this harbor to get to the Georgia Strait and then like recovering and then swimming all night long, which I know a lot of people have done it, but man, I did like I've done it. I've done a few all night swims now, but this was definitely the longest. Um, how did you then, prepare for that? The, how did you prepare for prepare for an all night swim? English Channel started at night and that was bad because jellyfish stinging like that was always the worst night swim in English Channel 
Um, I didn't, me and my dad, for Catalina, because they tell you to on the website, we went out once with the kayak at the darkest time of night. We did do some prepping. But by the time I got to, but like, because I did English Channel, Catalina Channel, and then I swam also Bowen Island, which is another big island, right, which it looks like mainland, but it's not. I had gotten, I'd done Bowen Island on the year previous, and I'd swam already all night long. That was actually my most beautiful night swim. Swimming all night long in my home waters, I feel completely comfortable. I'm fine. I don't, there's, I mean, I, there's an oddball, you could get stung by a lion's mane, but there's not many. So I'm not too scared. I know there's nothing that will really, other than a seal or hitting some driftwood, which is my biggest enemy out here. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the, the training for all night swims, I'm not very good perception of that because I'm so comfortable in the water already. I really enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And the, the biggest thing about swimming all night long in the Georgia Strait on this one was the fact that at around three or four in the morning when you're kind of like really, really, really tired and you're like, okay, I'm going to, you know, once I get to sunrise, it's going to be the 24 hour mark. Um, that, that part, I remember just being tired but going, it doesn't, it's not going to matter because you're still not even going to be there. Like <laughs> I can see the lights of Vancouver and I'm like, you're not even, and this is like what happens. You swim too many channels. You just go, well, you're like, there's no point. And you say that in your head, like say that in my head hundreds of times, there's no point. And then, but the only, the only good thing about daylight is, you know, that time has gone by. Mm, yeah. <laughs> right. And then, yeah. and then you see, you're like, I'm not even, no, I'm not like, it, like you only say, like, you only feel like you're finishing in the last 10 minutes anyways. Like, <laughs> what's the point? And I got really angry great. at myself. <laughs> yeah, but it's almost worse in the daylight because then you see that you're going nowhere, <laughs> even though you're going nowhere. Apparently, I made good headway all night long. I had no clue. Like, it started actually, the waves actually started picking up in the middle of the night. Yeah. And it was interesting. So I hadn't had that before much, a little bit in Catalina, but I hadn't felt it in a long time where the, you feel like the world is moving. But anyway, yeah. I'm, I'm all, sorry. This, so yeah, this one was great. And then of course the last little bit, it's like, where, where are we? Oh, we're already there. Are we at the dog beach? We're already there. Um, if you don't, if you want to get under 30 hours, keep your face down and keep swimming. I'm like, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> were you expecting it to take 30 hours? Uh, we, uh, we always try to overestimate on me, on my swims because we know that we, you know, we try and get the best tide, the best tidal periods, but we just didn't know. Yeah. Um, cause we had, we had an eight day window for the swim and, um, we estimated at max, it would be 30 hours. Cause I promised I've, I've told people on my crew that it's been shorter and I've apologized, <laughs> but they said they, yeah, no, they knew, they knew like they were actually going to land me cause they could have landed me actually at the peninsula right at UBC is, um, they could have landed me early cause I swam an extra bit into the Harbor and I just, I was hoping they weren't going to land me there. Cause I, I had a feeling they were thinking about it and I was like, no, no, no. Cause we got stuck. We had got stuck for two hours. We got stuck in the beginning and then we got stuck at the end with mm -hmm. the tide change because we have this massive Fraser River coming around um, the inlet and it, it's called the mixing point and it can be turned into like a washing machine and I got stuck in that mm -hmm. and I had to wait. I had to keep swimming until the tide changed and I knew, I kind of knew, same thing happened similar with English Channel, not real, not same, but you know, waiting for tides to change and I, and I had a feeling something was up and then when the boat when the sailboat was circling around me because I could barely control it but I had great but I had really good sailors and they realized oh, wow. that I they they thought I was getting confused but then they realized that like they were actually sailing around me and trying to feed me as well at the same time yeah I'm quite a, I'm quite quick at feeding so they will I usually and I proved that to Andy King on the English Channel I if, even in bad conditions people will feed me because they know that I'll be quick um, tell me a little bit about washing machines. How do you kind of adapt to a situation where you find yourself in a washing machine? 
keep your head down and keep swimming. I don't know what else to do. <laughs> like, keep your head down and keep swimming. Like my dad, like even sometimes we'll be out with a kayak, even like even this time of year when I'm not like I'm not training for anything crazy this summer. So um and I'm like, what's going on? What's going on? And he's just like, do you mind just like putting your head down and swimming? And like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes i'll explain what's going on or i was like i'm like am i getting pushed yes you're getting pushed that way so go on that side of the kayak because you have to and our i mean it, we can have great we can have great training swims but maybe because i've been i don't know i i get weird luck but my dad's learned a lot we've learned a lot from different parts for the currents mm -hmm. so uh, yeah you just kind of keep swimming and adapt your, i mean it, try and adapt your stroke so it's at least comfortable and you think you're doing half decent technique mm -hmm. but i've never had to like when I, we do have rip currents off the shore, which I've kind of got stuck in on my own, but I don't really know if it's a rip or an adverse current or something. And I just, you just head for shore. If I, like I try different angles if I have to get back in shore, but there's no, because there's like no actual, you won't know what you're in sometimes if you're getting stuck in it. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Uh, and it's, I've been fortunate enough to never have any issues and, and it, it's hard because even, even the lifeguards are great here, but people don't swim these distances. Like there's a few of us, but very few of us that will swim these kinds of distances. Yeah. And I almost always do it with a kayak anyways. Yeah, yeah. Can you tell us a favorite swim memory? Favorite swim from memory. like one of the swims? Yeah. From swims? Uh, oh, there's so many. I mean, there's <laughs> there's been so many hilarious, like, you know, even just silly things like the, well, not silly things, but beautiful things like the dolphins of Catalina. Like that was probably just because I was having a bad. I got so hot in that swim, man. It was like mm. it was hot. I got like my stroke rate was dropping, and I my morale just went so low on that one. What um, was the ah, uh, oh, sorry. I'm I'm in, I'm gonna do Celsius because I don't okay. know Fahrenheit that well. I think it was around 17 okay. water, but the air was like nine or 20 at least I'd have to yeah at least 20 and I was just overheating and then my stroke rate just dropped so much and I've never asked for more calories before on a swim and I did on that one but but um it was just I, and then they and then of course I started getting feeling cold and they kept asking me if I felt the temperature drop as you get to Catalina like as you got over there and I did start feeling a little cold towards the end but not really it's just weird because it's weird when you're very hot but you're but you start shaking Mm, yeah. um so they thought I was dehydrated and then so I just kept drinking water and they just said well you did everything we asked you to so we can't ask any more of that right huh. um but that was yeah no probably one of the better ones was that I mean I've had some amazing experiences like memories the memories of swimming around Bowen which is over there <laughs> um of having a clear night sky the only time I've ever had clear night sky and then also and then all of a sudden phosphorescence appeared below me as well Oh, wow. And I couldn't, I couldn't tell, like, I thought I was hallucinating. I couldn't tell <laughs> what was up and what was down. And I kept over rotating and I realized that the little stars were closer together, I think, or, you know, no, yeah, the, the stars were closer, were further apart than the phosphorescence or if they were bioluminescence, but just, they looked so similar. Yeah. And I, and I was also like very, I was swimming around this island and it was very dark and my boat crew was being great with no bright lights. And I was just going like, okay, I should probably go closer to the boat again. Because <laughs> you're kind of sandwiched and you're like, okay, yeah, it's pretty, like you're just trying to navigate a little bit. I'm wearing lights and everything, but, um, but yeah, it was kind of, it was just very surreal having that experience. And then seeing, and then Vancouver was also lit up like in the background and I could see it and it was just, it was so beautiful. And I was just like, I was so tired. I remember for some reason, because I think I'd swam Catalina eight weeks before that. That's why oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> I was so exhausted. And I was just like, but yeah, I was like, you know what? 
okay. And then, and then that was the only time. And then unfortunately, six hours later, that was the only time anyone ever attempted to pull me on hour 18 because they had no clue. Like they were like, well, it only took her 18 hours swimming this channel. And I was like, um, yeah. And they were like asking me, do you want to stop? I'm like, why? I'm like, we have like only two kilometers left. And I mean, it might take us three hours because I'm getting pushed by a current backwards right now. But like we finished the swim in 21 hours. It took me forever, but I got there because I wasn't going to like wreck my shoulders over it. Right. Like I just swam in one mm -hmm. spot for two hours. It was super frustrating. And the same spot, yeah. I could see that spot from when I was doing my other swim too. Like that's why I feel a bit guilty about swimming so much in my own water because I can see the spots now. <laughs> and I was cursing myself outside the UBC when I was trying to get into kits, looking at the other spot from Bowen. And it was just, it was, it was nuts because like, I just, I'm, I'm okay with it. Like who's okay with swimming against the current going nowhere. Right. <laughs> Part of this comes with the territory, I think, for marathon swimmers though. <laughs> I know, sorry, I don't, I, I always got repetitive because I know a lot of marathon swimmers have felt this, but I just, I feel like I felt it one too many times now. Like, <laughs> <going> back. <laughs> you can switch to the lakes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Can you tell me um, any, uh, how you feel about how um, marathon swimming can be more inclusive? Yeah, um, actually that's something we've thought about a lot locally because I've been doing as much, trying to get more involved in, in the small community that we do have um, of some amazing people that support it as well. And I, I do believe that we need like, whether or not we get corporations involved or not, but trying to understand that we need to make we need to make events like as affordable as possible and um, just access. Yeah, the information's already. Cindy's asked the thing is the information's already out there, but a lot of people have never heard about the sport, or they don't. Yeah. They think you have to be a college swimmer, or you have to be a kid swimmer to be able to do it. And I just feel like um, you know, even me investigating and understanding even the more the marine law in Vancouver and 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 understanding like, okay, well, this is how much we can rent boats for, but can we figure out a way of doing things cheaper, or figuring out using less gas? There's, I think it's trying to get a lot of the logistics of trying to make things. It's, I think it's part of the marathon swimmers that potentially do have loved it because they understand what, what it takes to try and make more of an effort to get some, at least the, the freight base work there. Um, I'm not a business person, but I'm definitely trying my hardest to try and make a better understanding of why people don't do it in BC because it's so beautiful and it's so accessible and our water is like still relatively like, freaking i mean yeah we've had some mines and stuff like you know 50 years ago or so but our water is so freaking clean up here it, it, for me it's amusement why it's not used more right um but the, that's the thing is you when you have mountains and you have other industries it makes it like you know climbing and someone can easily just go and do a hike mm -hmm. um it it, it I've, I have, I've i've conflict i have inner inner conflict about this because i believe it should we should be able to do both Mm -hmm. um, and have both, you know, we've thought about swimming along routes that they do those crazy trail running and that's, that's painful. Like mm -hmm. why, why are those, I mean, I love, I love trail runners and there's some amazing trail runners in, B, in BC, but why are, why do, why is that more popular? Why do they say that swimming is less accessible? But of mm -hmm. course you don't have to know how to swim and there's, there's a lot of other things. So I think there's a lot of things we can be doing. I just don't have exactly the right answer about how to, how we're, how we can do it except for to share information and mentor each other mm -hmm. and yeah, yeah. And, and making things affordable it's really hard when things are super expensive or boat boat you know different types of boat rentals or different people um may or may not overcharge or less charge or but it's just trying to create that awareness so that maybe yeah like we can put a support team together because boats are expensive 
Right. It's just yeah. the fact of facts of life, but exactly. But yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it's a tough answer. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. There isn't. There isn't any any clear answer. That's why it's nice to just hear people's ideas. I liked your. It's interesting you said about mentioning like um, bringing in like corporate, like just. Eventually. I mean, I'm, yeah. Well, I'm just thinking about how like if they're invested in perceptions of you know that they're investing in clean waterways and things like that like that they can you know like help promote it but you're right but no matter what at the end yeah. of the day it's a, it's a not very widely known sport I mean it's widely known to us obviously but um but trying to make more people know that you know that we can that we can swim places as I like to say yeah <laughs> oh no exactly and that's the thing and, and it just it's gonna take time yeah, it takes time. Sure. It takes time to garner support. It takes time for even to make even the fact that our Transport Canada and understanding that like boat safety officers are aware that we do have more swimmers in the water right now, especially right. because of COVID. Because yeah. I'm sorry, but our pools are still not open. Our pools yeah. are still not open. Like we I don't. Either. Yeah, like it's it's not even even being close. And we have compared to especially compared to Washington. And I love like I miss. Oh my God, I wish miss everybody in Washington. And I cry every day for you guys down there. But oh my gosh, like we have almost no cases here. Like we are so, we are so good, but they were just like, no, like we're opening finally three pools on July 12th or 13th outdoor only. And that's fine. But that's like basically where I swim anyway. So I'm just like, I'll leave it for other people for now. Um, but it's just, it's really sad in that respect. So. Yeah. What advice would you give to an aspiring marathon swimmer? Uh, Oh God, the, probably the same advice I got, which is just go and do it. <laughs> I mean, be, get, get your team together, get your team. And I think, I can't remember if it was Sarah Thomas or a few other, I think a few marathon swimmers on your series have said this. If you can get your family on board, it makes things a hell of a lot easier. If you can, if you can create that team network around you and the right people that are going to, like, I don't, I need to be pushed, but I need to be pushed in a certain way. And I knew you know, I know, I still look, I still am always trying to get, you know, better, different support or different, like better coaching and stuff. But um, yeah, I just say really get that. If you can get, if you can create that team around you, if possible, and just every time someone says no, or you can't do it, or you, there's such a good network now of marathons community that you don't need to listen to those people. Like, <laughs> yes, they have some, they have some validity in some of the stupid things that we do, but you're not going to wreck, you're not going to like kill your, like there's the risk, I'm sorry, but so many people die in more higher risk sports and injure themselves in other sports than they do in even swimming. So why, you know, if you're going to go and climb a mountain and do that, why not do this, you know? So, um, but, but, but be cautious because you can, we have, even in BC, like, like we have the networks, there's, there's so many, there's ways to do it where it's actually still safe and you're not breaking the law or doing anything. Like it's, it's just, it's just not done a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, overall so just don't don't yeah don't yeah find a mentor i just keep saying find a mentor find a mentor i don't know it or i i even said because there's not a lot ton of us in bc we can also tell you who to go to like i'm not saying come to me because i'm i'm doing it but i can give you resources and push you on other people mm -hmm. um yeah. you know if you don't like my style that's fine my style is only one style and it's completely different so yeah yep. uh last question and then we're out of time but whose marathon swim story do you want to hear uh gosh there's so many um <laughs> yeah no i mean i i guess in terms of like i mean if you vicky keith is pretty awesome but she's like a legend in her own right and she just has so many amazing insights um but people like even kevin murphy which i don't know i was yeah he won't he'll never he'll never tell all of his stories but um 
yeah, Kevin Murphy, and I, I think you already have somebody else I've swam with. I think we already have somebody coming up from Britain. Um, and then uh, there's, yeah, like, have you done one with Dan Simonelli yet? He's, he's coming up um, oh, yeah, he's coming a couple up, later yeah. this month, yeah. Yeah, but even, or even like, if I can even reach out to people like Fiona Southwell, she's on the board of the CSA, but it's just these, some of the British stories, they just have such a different take on it. And it's just always so much, it's so interesting. And I love, I just, I, I miss, I miss the British side of things right now. I don't know why, maybe it's, I haven't been over there in a while, but. Caroline's nodding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I miss those guys. Like I miss, I want to like, I was supposed to go to Ireland this year just for a quick camp. And of course I got canceled, but I want to, I'm going to definitely going back over there next year. So yeah. Yeah. Yep. We love our, we love our UK friends, huh? <laughs> I know. I know. If it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be doing this. I'm sorry, but it wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have even started this. Yeah. They just said, Kevin's like, you go, you go, you don't need to go to, you know, I was always, you know, going to Ned Dennison's like his, his torture camps. And I was like, like, you don't need to do that. You just go in your backyard. He's like, don't you have that water over there? You know? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I guess so. And five weeks later it's like okay i guess we're doing this <laughs> awesome thank you so much yeah. for your time today jesse it was really awesome to hear your story i appreciate it yeah thank you so much <laughs> all right you guys we'll see bye. you next time bye thanks jesse thanks shannon bye. bye are you ready to swim smarter check out my virtual efficient swimming basics program at intrepidwater.com. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. If you'd like to be a guest on Marathon Swim Stories, just email me, shannon at intrepidwater.com. Please stay in touch by joining our email list at intrepidwater.com. Thanks for listening.